Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. He's my favorite ever player to watch. I'd watch Villa if I didn't support them in the same way I used to watch Real Madrid games to watch Zidane or Barca games to watch Ronaldinho. Yeah. And now he's gone. The future is bleak. But what I didn't need, Conan, was you harassing me since Friday with <laughs> fucking tweets from in-the-know fantasy fucking football managers. <laughs> Hi, guys. Jack Greenish here. Uh, delighted to say that I've signed a new deal with Aston Villa. That morning sky gave me a look So I left while you were sleeping That's all it took and You know what? It was a contest. And you know I don't like making excuses. I don't like drop points or subpar performances, which the first half definitely was. But to be honest, and I think if we're all honest, after 23 minutes, I was genuinely thinking this could be 7-0. And I think you could text me saying, thank God, Ralph Hassenhudel isn't in charge. <laughs> and you know what? Although they never fought back completely, it was probably the best response I've seen from Villa. They go on behind, definitely this season anyway. And they did it without Grealish. And if anybody still needs reminding how important Grealish is, <laughs> there was a, obviously the whole game sort of speaks for itself in, in that front. But there was a pass from Matt Target. Lovely pass. He set Trezeguet away. And it was Trezeguet and Castagna, one-on-one. Castagna backtracking Trezeguet. had all the space, all the pace. He had options in front of him. And he just looked so limp and devoid of ideas. Not, like, not blaming him whatsoever. He's not that sort of player, but... You just know if, if that was Grealish, he's caught inside and scored, or he's caught inside and put Watkins away on the left-hand side. You know, it's just, it's, it just creates a big goal-scoring opportunity, and instead, Trezeguet just got shown the line. And he might have won a corner, but it, it looked so not dangerous, the complete opposite of what Grealish brings you every single time. But yeah, maybe it says something about, about Grealish as well that I just did not expect anything from that match. So to have a bit of a battle in the second half, I've come out of it feeling positive enough. Yeah, it's a strange one. The stat flashed up in the first half showing that Leicester and Villa have dropped the fewest points from winning positions. So it's important not to go behind against them. 
Yeah. But my God, is it doubly important for Aston Villa? I mean, we picked <laughs> up one point from a losing position in the draw against Chelsea. That's also one of the only four points, along with the demolition of Liverpool, that we've picked up in games we've conceded in. You know, we're, we're absolute madness. Jekyll and Hyde. 11 wins, three draws, nine defeats. That's Leeds United stuff. And <laughs> we, we got that in this game as well. It was two completely contrasting performances in the first and second half. So they're telling me that Calvert-Lewin gets a penalty and Ollie Watkins doesn't. <laughs> the, the, the only difference that I can see is that Ollie Watkins didn't knee the head of the defender on the way to going down. Yeah. You know, uh, maybe maybe it was just because that one's fresh in the memory. Now, I don't think the Calvert-Lewin one against Liverpool was a penalty by any stretch, but uh, like, I just thought the Watkins thing got dismissed a bit too easily. Yeah, it's it's a classic one I've seen it given. The defender's being absolutely silly there. He's He's got his arms around him, which is cause enough for a penalty, depending on who the referee is. And then he also just falls to his arse and, you know, his legs go underneath Watkins as Watkins turning. I don't think Watkins was going to get to the ball, but I also think it was, it was a foul. If, if Watkins is, you know, up against the byline like that, and that happens, I, I think he gives he gives a foul. It's that old classic, most annoying thing in football. Like, oh, that was anywhere else but the box, that's a foul. Yeah. Like, is it a foul or not? That's the only question that we should be asking. Um, yeah, like, so let's talk about the goals. Because actually now, in hindsight, they are very frustrating, considering, you know, I don't want to say how well Villa played, but they definitely really upped it in the second half and like I say it was a response which we haven't seen all season to, to them going behind but so disappointing like the first one is just a shit long ball forward onto the top the crown of Vardy's head and he manages to get his crown to it but the difference there between a ball like that up to Watkins and a ball like that to Vardy is a Barnes and Madison are right around them straight away and they've got all the time in the world now because they're right around them. And like, I don't know where Villa's midfield has gone to. And like, if you just look at the difference when Watkins has it, that that lovely pass, which we'll get to, that he, he flicked through for El Ghazi, he is actually waiting for about five seconds for anybody to come in the picture. He's mm. holding off three Leicester players, waiting for support. But Leicester, on the other end, put a hopeful ball high into there. Vardy gets anything on it. And there's, there's three players. Suddenly it's three on three. And of course, Mings is hanging back, seeing what happens. <laughs> yeah it was particularly frustrating because you're right it was just as Villa were settling down and they get a goal from very little really I mean it's a straight ball down the middle I actually thought it hit Conza's head and it falls to Barnes layoff shot goal like so simple and Leicester had been playing well but that had that had been abated a little bit by how disciplined Villa had become why is Douglas Louise over on the left wing trying to block a nothing ball forward? And and then where is the rest? Like I think like you know, we're gonna have loads of time to talk about Ross Barkley today, but I think that he he hopes that the play is done by the time he gets back. He he jogs back as he knows he should be shown to do something, and he's hoping that it's all finished. Now this is actually just outside the goal as well, this is in general play. And he hopes that it's all bypassed him before he can actually do anything about it. And in this case as well, like he was the one that was closest. I don't know where McGinn had gone to. And it was just it was just Barnes and Madison literally queuing up because like I say, like Mings was standing off them as well, and Elmo was standing off. And there was just no midfield coming in to help. Like that can't be happening. I don't want to sound too basic, but like, you know, where's the bite? Like this is Villa Park as well. 
this in first half we were we were dreadful. There was no bite, no aggression, too easy to play through us. The four two three one isn't working. Barkley is a huge part of that, but the two behind them aren't solid enough either to be left on their own. Barkley yeah. falls asleep off the ball and he doesn't have the energy to do the defensive job he's being asked to do. He half-heartedly pressures from the number 10 position and then gives up. His job is done. He, he's playing in the most difficult defensive position because there is a lot asked of you in that position. John McGinn is the player to do what Barkley is supposed to be doing. But that would mean switching the two of them too often between attack and defense and be a mess. And it would also be a disaster because then you'd have Ross Barkley in the number six position. And the, the answer is to drop Ross Barkley. He's not worth it. The, the only thing slower well, than him on the ball... Do you want the good news or the bad news? off the fucking pitch after he eventually got the curly finger. Ross Barkley <laughs> well, needs to go. I'm, I'm, going to give you, I'm going to give you good news and bad news here. The good news is we found a corner taker, finally. And the bad news is it means that you have to play Ross Barkley to keep that corner taker on the pitch. Look, whenever Sanson came on, he took a few set pieces as well, and they were actually pretty tasty. He put them in with pace, power, and dip onto the edge of the six-yard box, exactly what a corner should be. Fuck Ross Barkley. It's not worth a corner getting tossed into Tyrone Mings to head wide. <laughs> only only Ross Barkley takes that long to get off the pitch. Like, talk about going on as you started off. Like, just sluggish, aimless, heavy, petulant. You know, just him trudging along the sidelines summed him up. And uh, yet again, we're asking the question, like, you know, what? how does he think he played? What does he think the problem is? And, and by the way, like it's, it's starting to piss me off. Like, we, obviously, like, you, you get this anyway in sort of mainstream commentary of, of Aston Villa by people who don't see them that often. But is this the longest search for one man's fitness? <laughs> because, <laughs> because Ross Barkley came back for the Man City game, which was the 20th of January. like the, And that followed a two-week break for everyone because of the COVID outbreak. And, and that followed him apparently being almost ready for the Crystal Palace match. When was that? Boxing Day, December 26th. He was apparently almost ready for that. But he came back on the 20th of January. He's played eight games now since then. Like, that's more than he did during his initial stage. Like, there's only 15 games left. How, how many games does this lad need to start feeling good? <laughs> I think I, I I honestly I've just given up on him. I mean I talked before about why Barkley might be a good signing for Villa because he's a big name and like you know, he'll he'll encourage other people to look at the club slightly differently. Jack Greeley should be thinking, oh, there's another England player. But that's all Ross Barkley is. He's just a big name. He's just yet another big name that is finished. He's not he's not good enough to be playing the number ten position for Aston Villa. My friend Steve sent me a brilliant one, and it's spot on. He said, Barkley is what people like Sunez used to believe Grealish was. <laughs> you know, and that's it. Like, you know, like, obviously he has a bit of quality in there, but he needs to show it more. He needs to change his attitude. <laughs> Grealish had never any of these problems. But uh, that's what Sunez and all used to think. Like, it, it needs to be done. Get the deal done for Deli Alley now before Joe Mourinho <laughs> leaves Spurs. Get, get that done before a proper manager comes in and starts using him again. Like, that's that's the swap you want. Like, that's... Jesus, look at fucking Lingard. This is, this is heartbreaking. Like, West Ham and Jesse Lingard and David Moyes are tearing it up. And we're we're beholden to whatever, whatever it says on Ross Barkley's contract. Yeah, like... Uh, the an- the answer isn't to sign Deli Ali. We we need to sign. We've got the best number ten in the league. 
playing on the left wing. We'd need to sign another winger. Give us the option of not playing Jack Grealish out there and playing Jack Grealish through the middle. The, the answer is just there, calling out. And Ross Barkley isn't worth it to be shifting Jack Grealish out to the left wing. He's nowhere near that player. Do you know that Harvey Barnes touch that Elmo fouled him for? It wasn't that good a touch. <laughs> Everybody was raving about it online, but you know, he's hit it about 20 yards ahead of himself. It's just one of those ones that you catch with the side of your foot as you're running. It's gone behind you. It's, you know, it's done well to get hold of it, but he hasn't controlled it, really. He's just, El Mohammed, he was silly to foul him. Yeah, like yeah, he flicks it with his heel. It's a, it's a bad ball into him, and he does well to knock it forward from that position. But Christ Almighty, this is just flavor of the month commentary. Everybody loves <laughs> Harvey Barnes at the minute, so they're all desperately looking for him to do something good so they can talk about it. No, it was a shit touch. There's plenty of other things Harvey Barnes did in that match. You don't need to be you don't need to be focusing in on that. I can't believe that they were actually talking about him, like you know, England wise. It's like fucking hell. How many, how many people are in the running for the for the England call? I'm not picking on Harvey Barnes, but uh, this the second goal which Harvey Barnes scored. Um, I'm going to make a little bit of a case for Emmy Martinez here, and it's it's not to do with what he'd done. He spilled the ball. He shouldn't have spilled it, but you know, even just knocked that away. But like, how much are we going to leave him exposed? Like, and, and just facing pressure after pressure like it's going to happen sometimes like he'll pull us out of holes loads of times but if you keep asking him to do that he's going to spill a ball that's absolutely drilled at him through a crowd of bodies every now and then and then bang game over 2-0 down and that's that was the the winning of the game ultimately yeah the Fardy takes the shot really early he's in the box he's one of the best strikers in Europe there's a lot of power on it like it's, it's not brilliant for Emmy, but it's it's also a very good reaction and finish from Barnes to really punish Emmy Martinez, who gets across fairly quickly to, to the shot as well, but Barnes roofs it. It's a really good finish. And for both goals, I think the commentators over-egged the fact that Madison and Vardy's shots could have been blocked quicker. I do think it's surprising that they weren't because one of my abiding memories of this season will be Kanza and Mings flinging themselves at the feet of opposition forwards. But <laughs> I, I don't think they were that slow. Madison takes the shot really quickly. Vardy takes the shot really quickly. It's unfortunate yeah. that the goals came from that. Leicester had a lot better play that wasn't rewarded, and the two goals came from shit situations. That's probably fair. Um, what what do you do? Like, I don't believe Smith anymore. He's uh he's cried wolf with with Barkley's comeback. He said his hopes that Jack Grealish is back for for the Leeds game, but my friends at the Athletic are telling me that he's definitely out for the Leeds game. <laughs> <laughs> what like? What what are, you, what are you doing for that game? Like, let's just take it as like Grealish isn't playing. Smith has has fooled me one too ma- too many times when it comes to this stuff. How are we setting up? But Barkley's out, right? Barkley has to go. De- definitely, Barkley absolutely has to go. I think it's time to give Sanson a bit of a run. Jacob Ramsey, even we have to go to free in midfield as well because we can't. I think McGinn could be taken off. McGinn could definitely be done with a rest and get his head straight because he's all over the place. I'm sure we'll come back to him. But yeah. McGinn and Dougie are our two best centre midfielders, but they can't play as a base on their own. They need to be part of a three. They need the extra help. Either play Sanson in there. I don't know enough about him. From what I from what I hear he plays he played in the left side of a three under Andres Villaboas. But you could even play Ramsey in there as well. We need we need to get a bit more solid in midfield. It's far too easy against good teams or for them to just go through us. 
I would just what be playing you... the same team, Barkley out, Ramsey or Sanson in. What did you think of Barkley coming deep? And, uh, <laughs> you know, it was like, because what we're saying is, yeah, you want the third in midfield, but Barkley coming deep just felt so pointless as well. It's like, well, this this isn't why you're here, mate. You're you're there to try and give us a platform further up the pitch. Like, that's when you have done stuff good, that's what you have done. But now you're just coming and taking handy ball and, and passing it to somebody in a handier position. And it was like, well, that, that was pointless. Like, you know, yeah. Douglas Louise, like Mings can do that. Like, you don't need to be coming back and doing that. And it felt like sometimes then it fell into a 4-1-4-1, which was not the intention. But because Barkley was just drifting around the middle, it looked that way. And, and poor old Ollie Watkins just out for himself again. Yeah, it was, it was completely pointless and completely the opposite of the way Aston Villa play. You don't need Ross Barkley making his only high-intensity run, sprinting 40 yards away from the opposition goal to play a first-time pass back to one of the centre-halves. Absolute waste of time. And now we've got a huge hole in the middle of the pitch. Ross Barkley dropping deep was pointless. It's a waste of time. Ross Barkley on the ball is also pointless and a waste of time. <laughs> he's standing on the ball for far too long, looking around whenever he's not just playing first-time passes the way he sees it in the opposite direction to the opposition goal. He's just doing stepovers. He's looking around. He's spinning around on the ball. Move the fucking ball. You're, yeah. you're supposed to be our number 10. Let's go. Let's do something. He's turning the wrong way a lot as well. Like he, I know we're watching from home, but you can see that he's in trouble if he goes one way and he's going back into it. And it's like, oh, he lost the ball a lot of times doing that. And yeah, look... And the, like, this would have, this was more forgiven against Brighton when the whole team was shit. People were making one run, then not going again. Villa were actually good today off the ball. The players off the ball whenever we were in possession. We're yeah. moving two or three times. They were all looking for the ball. Ross Barkley couldn't see them, though. He was useless. That, that, that sets us up for WhatsApp winges. Let's do it. Trezeguet has lost his belly. <laughs> Full stop. That's, uh, the only thing I can say to that is I'm surprised you could tell because I didn't realize Trezeguet was playing. So I didn't see him on the pitch, so I don't know how you didn't see his belly. <laughs> Some WhatsApp winges, real-time, over-the-top, knee-jerk thoughts. I'd only save for a messaging service with end-to-end encryption on this podcast, apparently. I'm just teeing that up before I get this one out. Jack Grealish has made Dean Smith a worse coach. <laughs> no, I, I think we saw in the second half the type of coach that, uh, that Dean Smith is. Yeah. It was an absolutely incredible second-half performance. Um, some turnaround from the lads. And you can only praise them, particularly because it was such an impressive turnaround. The performances were night and day, and it was all without our best player. <laughs> I, w- I was actually thinking this in the first, well, first half an hour anyway. It was like, he has just been getting comfortable having the best player in England on the team and not been working on anything. <laughs> That's what I, and I was trying to convince myself, like, no, no, but look at the look at the improvement that all other players have made. And But then uh, as a collective, I was like, no. They should be taking Jack Grealish out of the training games and letting the rest of them get better without him and then just drop Grealish in as a bonus. Think how shit a manager Dean Smith would be, though, if he didn't build a system around Jack Grealish. <laughs> yeah, and the rest of them probably... I can only imagine, like, 
you know, you've had it before, you know, in your own team and stuff, when when a player who's obviously better than everybody else goes down, even when they're not injured, everyone just looks and thinks, oh, fuck. <laughs> you know, and you'd be happy for him to to just stop training to make sure that he keeps playing. It's uh, su- such a sucker punch. And, like, after 48 games in a row, which is incredible, like, he's played every league match since November 2019. Um, maybe maybe it was due, but like I, I wasn't ready for it. I I got, I got a bit of abuse on Twitter because um I went out a run right and I looked at my watch and it was three minutes past one. So I knew the team was coming, so I couldn't run anymore. I stopped and I was on the Villa Twitter account and I was like scrolling my thumb down to refresh it just over and over and over <laughs> and uh, and the team came out bang you just saw Gazi and Trez or Gazi and Trori. And are fired back, just ah fuck off. <laughs> and <laughs> the people. somebody called me a wanker. Somebody called me a freak. Somebody was somebody reported me to the Villa podcast on Twitter, which <laughs> which I run. <laughs> it was like, what do you think of this? So I was writing back with the Villa podcast as if I was like defending myself of a different of a different person. <laughs> it's like, well, pretty standard response to to Greenish being missing like that wasn't getting like i was disappointed to see el gazi playing instead of greenish of course it was but the point is that yeah for the first time in 48 matches the best player in england is now missing and we have to cope without him i think that's that's fair enough and i'm allowed a little outburst yeah like jack jack is injured i found that out when dave jones made the announcement at halftime of the spurs west ham game that that gave me Dave Jones's announcement gave me plenty of notice in advance of the Villa game to prepare myself mentally. It ruined my Sunday. It ruined the game, and now I'm staring into the abyss. I'm mournfully looking into a Jack Grealishless future. The next few weeks are ruined. <laughs> Not only is Grealish our best player and the most important player in the league, he's my favorite ever player to watch. I'd watch Villa if I didn't support them, in the same way I used to watch Real Madrid games to watch Zidane or Barca games to watch Ronaldinho. Yeah, and now he's gone. The future is bleak. But what I didn't need, Conan, was you harassing me since Friday with <laughs> fucking tweets from in the know fantasy fucking football managers. Great spot, by the way, for anyone who made the Matt Target taking him out of his team connection. But you're I... just extending my depression. You're pulling it forward. You're ruining my life before the life ruining event has even happened. <laughs> you are going to have to start respecting fantasy football ATKs. Like this, uh, Matt Target. Oh, what I want, Matt Target, and Neil Taylor, and the physio, and one of the coaches took Jack Grealish out of the team. What I want to know is who the fuck was telling Connor Hurran? Like, who felt the need to to let Connor Hurran know when Swansea here? You might want to change your team because Grealish is injured. Why is it getting out beyond the squad and Connor Hurran? Maybe it was just Grealish who told them. <laughs> Yeah, you're, big... you're going to have to start respecting this as a source. This is like the time. This is the equivalent of the time Goal.com did that big exclusive interview of Lionel Messi wanting to leave Barcelona, and all the traditional jukes of journalism in in England and, and beyond had to start finally recognizing online media as a as a <laughs> a proper proper medium. Yeah, but like, yeah, that's not the same thing as recognizing fantasy football managers as. <laughs> As people who are actually in the know. But why we're on that, all all these, right, get over it. It's Aston Villa FC, not Jack Grealish FC. Get a fucking grip. <laughs> Aside from the fact that we're very fucking close to being a one-man team, given how important he is, let us mourn. 
I mean, yeah. we've just gotten the news. It's devastating. We're upset. You don't need to show me how positive a person you are by ignoring the fact that the most important footballer in the world is out. Yeah. And you're right. I don't support Jack Grealish. I support Aston Villa. But that's why I'm fucking raging. Aston Villa's best player, by a mile, is out. Yeah. And do these people turn up to funerals or wakes saying, come on, get over it. It's the Doherty family, not the great Auntie Margaret family. I guess it's time to find out what Uncle Jimmy's really made of. He's going to have to put his shoulder to the wheel now. Time for Auntie Barbara to step up. Fucking psychopaths, let me mourn. I'll rally around the Doherty family. I want them to do well. I want them to succeed, but I'm fucking devastated. It's not going to be the same without Margaret. Was it Margaret? Maggie was our matriarch. And we're worse off for her loss. R.I.P. Auntie Margaret. Um, no, that like that's that's spot on. Like, uh, do you know what this brought back? I could have brought this into WhatsApp Winges. It brought back into stark vision how disappointing it was that Dean Smith deprived us of two extra minutes of Jack Grealish when he took him off in his Newcastle. <laughs> it just showed how how important every minute is, and that's like, we, you know, yes, it is Aston Villa FC, but we, we've gotten comfortable as Aston Villa FC with the best player in every match. Like, we, we, we've just gotten used to having the player who everybody is afraid of and the player who can do whatever he wants whenever he gets the ball. Like, that is a big, big body blow. And as you say, let me mourn. I really like Dante Margaret. <laughs> um, second WhatsApp wins. Does John McGinn have to telegraph every single kick? Ah, oh, John McGinn needs to get his head in order. I don't know. I, I think the solution is to play with three midfielders again because John McGinn, we know how good a player he can be. Yeah. But there's just he's, he's just not right. He's just he's taking too long on the ball to play a shit pass. He's he's all over the place. And maybe it is just even to take him out of the game for a, for a game or two. We took out Dougie a few weeks ago for Nakamba and that was fine against Arsenal. Maybe we should do the same again with John McGinn. It's it's like he's inviting everyone in the stadium to come block him before he crosses it in, and like the two shots he had as well, he couldn't oh. have been further away from the crossbar. <laughs> like you know, dude, ah, like just infuriating at how how uh, how far away they were from being even close to, to being a threat. And yeah, like he came out buzzing. He actually did really well, I thought, for the goal. You know, just hooked it on and yeah. and and uh, Trorori got in there, but. It looked like he wanted to take the game by the scruff of the neck, and that that's great to see. Like that's that's what you need. You need people stepping up when Grealish is gone. Like you know, he seemed to realize like I need to do something here. But almost sometimes the harder he tries, yeah, it's it, it gets worse for him. It's like quicksand, and when he's probably doing so many jobs and trying to mind the house, and yeah, I, I can I can empathize with him. Yeah, like he, he had he had a tough afternoon, but again, he, he gave us all the energy both on and off the ball that that you'd want from him. So that's great to see that he hasn't he hasn't letting his bad form affect his his confidence too much. He's still trying things. He's still trying ridiculous twenty five yard efforts, even if they are going twenty five yards over the bar. Yeah, five added minutes when James Madison spent nine minutes lying on the ground. James Madison, fuck in hell. This lad needed treatment from the physio after he had a shot blocked. <laughs> yeah. He came off after he took a fucking corner. 
I'd, I'd suggest Grealish and Foden can sleep easy. Like James Madison isn't going to be bothering the England first eleven if that's his attitude. Yeah, he's like. There's another. I thought of him when he was down for the third time, and it was obviously he was going to come off. I thought like. Thank God for Jack Grealish. Like, is there's Leicester's main creative force? He's a good player, and he's just always missing. He misses such a chunk of periods of time over and over and over. He seems to be always coming back from injury or being minded or coming off with his coat on and chatting about his injury. And it's like, God Almighty! I know people are injury prone, but like that must be infuriating for a Leicester fan and Brendan Rodgers too. I'd imagine I'd like it. I'd say he was probably quite keen to spend all that money on Christian Eriksen because like god almighty like it just doesn't seem like Madison's ever going to have a stretch of games where he's just constantly dominating yeah and, and I don't want James Madison to get injured he's, he's a lovely player but it was a foot block from Dougie that injured him I mean <laughs> Christ almighty how often does that happen in a game yeah. and you're lying on the ground calling over two physios get up would you rather Marvelous Nakamba play against Leeds? No. <laughs> I thought, you see, I thought when it flashed up, Douglas Louise, five yellows, I was like, oh, well, that's him missing. I forgot that we're we're more than halfway past the, or we're, we're past the halfway point. But yeah, at, at a stage, I was like, well, hmm, that might not be the worst thing, considering what happened the last time we played Leeds and we just basically bent over for them. If you played Nakamba, sit in tight, it might be a game for a 4-1-4-1. And just like, you know, use Ollie Watkins and don't... Like, somebody like Nakamba would be good against Leeds because he's not going to look to do anything else. <laughs> but the, you're forgetting the other side where you have to score as well. I mean, yeah. it's really important whenever whenever you get the ball against Leeds, you're ready to go. You're on the other, you're going the other direction and you're going that way quickly and aggressively with the ball. And Nakamba's not your man for that. I think if we played, if we played Jacob or Sanson, the other side of... The other side of Dougie, that's our answer for the Leeds game. But Dougie, whenever Dougie gets booked, he's a problem because he's doing both things wrong. He, he He's either not putting in tackles, which is obviously a problem because he's so conscious of a yellow card. And then two minutes later, he absolutely completely forgets that he's on a yellow card and puts in an absolutely <laughs> ridiculous tackle or just trips somebody that runs past him. He's a loose I'm cannon. I'm surprised he didn't come off today, actually, because, uh, yeah, he, he was a loose cannon, and it, it was good. Like The changes were good, because it seemed like it was going to be the same thing, Gazi Traore, but they didn't. Do, they, they targeted that central area. They got Barkley to hell out there. They kept Traore on. Um, and, and, like, to be honest, Ramsey, and I'm, we're only seeing flashes of him, but he's starting to look a bit more mature and a bit have a bit more about him. Like, yeah, I wouldn't mind seeing a bit more of him, and, and obviously we haven't seen enough of Sanson yet. Like... What are we waiting on? Like we might as well. We're 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 solid eighth now. We're four points behind seventh with a game in hand. So that's it. Unless we lose heavily in the next match, which we bloody well could against Leeds again. We're staying eighth. So we might as well Yeah, like why not? We spent all this money on or apparently it was great value for money on Sanson. Get him in. Get Ramsey in. Like the Barkley thing isn't working. The formation, as you say, isn't working. Let's let's try something. Yeah, and the midfield, centre midfield is the one position that we're were well stocked in, so well stocked, in fact, that we were willing to give Conor Hurahan to, to Swansea on loan. You know, there's no there's no reason to not be changing players in the middle three. I can understand why he's not doing it on the wings and, and definitely definitely up top, but there's no excuse to not be trying things in centre midfield. 
All right, we got some awards to give out after this. They've both got incredible horses. The face on some of those lads, like McNeil Wood. Like Wood looks like a big, <laughs> a big GA midfielder, doesn't he? Again, will use his arse in every scenario. He actually played a blind arse early on in the first half. Does anyone sweat more than Ralph Berkeley? <laughs> it actually looked like he was going for showers regularly during the game. <laughs> what the fuck is wrong with you? John Walters' arch has never let me down though. John McGinn's has let me down several occasions this season. <laughs> he was drenched, like absolutely soaking. Elgazi is too prone to bad runs of form. He had a bit of crack in December and he was due a bad run. He's too patchy, he's too streaky. And that performance was the equivalent of a streak of shit in the toilets of a fucking bus station. Into somebody else's bosom. Bosom of possession, I mean. You know, like a bosom of possession, I mean. Ronnie Rosenthal Award. Early on, Watkins gets turned in the box. Now this This was annoying. Like it, it, people might not really remember it. He gets turned in the box. He has two men following up. One of them is at the edge of the box. And Barkley is just further away, but he's completely free. Like that's the pass. Mm-hmm. But he tries to slide in a runner. I think it's John McGinn, and he just makes a pig's dinner of it. Doesn't even lead to a, a chance. And it was Oh, that was definitely a goal, even for Berkeley. <laughs> you know? And like that's exactly the point you made, or the, at that stage where Villa were were settled, they were in the game, and it was like, right, we've weathered a storm for the first ten minutes, thirteen minutes. There's a chance, and he just makes the wrong pass. Like you know, Watkins is uh, fighting a a lone battle out there and doing it better than anybody could. But oh, you know, make the right pass. Yeah, it was it was a shit decision. I mean. I actually think it was El Ghazi and he was coming on like a fucking steam train as well. Even if that gets to his feet, he's not controlling it. And not only yeah. is Barkley there, Terori is one man further over. So if it gets stuck under Barkley's feet, which it definitely would have, he could have tried to flick it out to Terori. Yeah, it was, it was a bad decision from Watkins, who had an otherwise really good game. Lovely ball, I mentioned it earlier, to El Ghazi, who played a nice pass inside to Bertie T. And he did well. Great block. That was just unfortunate. It's not up for this for this award. I just wanted to mention it. But the Kanza header from Douglas Louise's cross, like he, oh. he ducks underneath it. Sionsu has missed it. He's there. He's four yards out, maybe, and he ducks underneath and he backs it across the goal and it goes out of play. And oh, big chance! Like Kanza was really good at the start of the season at getting his head to balls and you know having big chances from from bad positions. This was a good position and oh he made a made a hames of it yeah stick your fucking noggin on that Esri 
like that was that was a big big chance when Villa were playing really badly as well. Uh, yeah, it's terrible. I think I, I can't imagine what you've got that's going to top that. Tyrone Mings at the end, it doesn't top it. But like, oh, this is the same chance he had against Brighton at home when Villa were chasing the game. Like, it would be a good goal, but it's there. He's got his head on it. The cross has come in, and he's flicked it too far yet again. Like, let's just get it on target first, and then we'll worry about the the semantics of it. But he's he's hit it. He's hit it twenty yards wide, trying to do the right thing. I suppose mm, that that was the chance. That was the big one we were looking for. It's yeah. it's a really difficult chance. He's running away from the goals and would have taken an absolutely incredible header. But it's it's still heartbreaking. The big skipper gets into position, and I half yelped, half whimpered as it just trickled out of play. Uh, it was uh, it was tough to take. I think that's it, really. There was a few other moments, you know, just where the wrong decision was made or McGinn blasted it over. Like, the, the one that McGinn blasted over at the end, like, you know, Bertrand Ferrari was there on the right-hand side. He Good opportunity for a cross shot on his left foot, you know, and he, he didn't even look. He just... He was never getting over it again, and he just skied it, but has to be Kanza. Has to be Kanza. You like them, we didn't take a 90th-minute penalty award. I've got two here for Brendan Rodgers, as well as as well as two for for Dean Smith. Playing two right backs against El Ghazi was a bit unnecessary, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a, he obviously hasn't watched for this since December. Uh, <laughs> that was a, a big shout, all right. You know what the weird thing about that is they keep obviously had plenty of time to react. Dave yeah. Jones broke our hearts before one o'clock. The game doesn't kick off till five past two. And not only that, whenever Villa last played Leicester, Castagna did an absolutely incredible job on Jack Grealish. Yeah. Castagna definitely did the best one-on-one job I've seen done on Jack Grealish. Look, maybe he was just... He was won over by David Moyes' West Ham and how successful they were in shutting them out because that was... Definitely the worst performance Jack really had. Not of his own doing. West Ham played two right backs and one of them was man marking him. But <laughs> it's hard to look past that. I'm, I'm, I'd be surprised if more people don't don't try it. I mean, if Brendan Rodgers is doing it, one of the most progressive managers in football, then maybe it's it's the way of the future. Yeah, it kept El Ghazi out of the game anyway. Um, and, and it's an interesting one. It's it's definitely a question for for Dean Smith, who who needed to be asking this question anyway of of trying to to free up Jack Grealish more so just because of Barkley's form. But like it can't be that easy. He can't be stuck in one side of the pitch and just have two right backs there ruining his life and ruining his afternoon. Like it, and also I suppose it comes down to the other players. Well, maybe this will be good that Jack Grealish isn't in the team for a couple of games. Like. They they can't allow that too. Like I I I think I mentioned the Brian Clough quote from from the Dams United, where it's like basically stop Grealish and you beat Villa. Can't be that. It should be like if they're committing two players to Mark and Jack Grealish, like where's not Barkley, but where's the next player? Where's McGinn? <laughs> like you know, let let's hurt them. But what Watkins should have more space to get him behind that that two right backs <laughs> two right back chain. But uh, the other one for Brendan Rodgers bringing on. Little Mendy, as, as Jack Grealish calls him, for Madison. Like, Villa had no threat through that middle. Like, you know, that didn't need to be done. They should have just, like, you know, brought on another number 10 and, and kept Villa penned back. But, Jesus, they conceded trying to attack when they, when they did that and gave Villa all the impetus for the last 10, 15 minutes. Yeah, I, I think the Leicester players are absolutely fucking knackered. And that definitely contributed to Villa 
getting back on top in the second half. And I think maybe Brendan Rodgers could just see that that was beginning to turn and he wanted a bit of extra cover in there. Someone with a bit more bite and courage than somebody who comes off whenever a shot gets blocked and he rolls his ankle because of it. Allowing El Ghazi to pass with his feet. <laughs> I, I had to clarify feet because he actually played a really tasty pass of his head to Matt Target for the goal. But, like, if you're going to play El Ghazi, and this is another thing now where I'm not even criticising him, like, he's just not that player. He's not integrate. He struggles in tight areas. His touch often lets him down. But when he gets run on people, he's dangerous. He, he can look lively. If you're playing El Ghazi, the instruction should just be run at them and shoot. And you know, or or cross, uh, but like let's 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 have your involvement end after three seconds. You know, you don't <laughs> need to be you don't need to be passing it and trying to go again. Like his pass appreciation is dreadful. Like he just blasts it at Watkins or he chips it inside to somebody or yeah, he just miscontrols it if somebody plays it to him. He's not he's not that player. And <laughs> replacing him replacing Grealish, it was really uh, obvious. But yeah, his his instructions should be a bit more simple: run, shoot, or cross. Yeah, but again, because Brendan Rodgers was so worried about Del Ghazi and played the two right-backs, there was a lot less room out there as well, so he couldn't just get running. And I felt a bit sorry for him, because he, <laughs> he was playing against two right-backs and he's unboring El Ghazi. And not only that, both of those players would have had the better of him anyway, because they're both brilliant right-backs. Yeah. So yeah, it was a really tough night for him. He tried his heart out, though. It's hard, it's hard to criticise him too much. It was just a lack of quality at times. That's it. Uh, I think the winner here, and I don't even know what the what the actual nomination is named as, but it, I just have Ross Barkley written down. Like, and it's take your pick. It's it's playing Ross Barkley to start off with. It's it's allowing him to drift deep, but then also keeping the four two three one at the same time. It's it's just not finding an answer for it, and the answer surely is to. To try something else, and instead we're just persistent with it. And the, and the answer is so glaring as well because we keep having to do it in every fucking game that he plays in. I mean, yeah. if you have to take him off between the 60th and 70th minute in every game, maybe you should take him off before the game starts. Yeah, so you don't have to make that change. It's not working at the minute, and and I am getting to the point where I need to see his loan contract because it, I'm getting very suspicious that it says if the physio say he can play, he has to play. Because it's just inexplicable that he starts every game. Would he be good off the bench, or is his attitude just bad? Like, or is his form just terrible? Like, he, he, he can't be gone completely, can he? But like, if you say to him, "You're getting twenty five minutes here," like, go on and, and bust your balls, you know, drive like to do all those high intensity runs in twenty five minutes. Go towards the goals, run with the ball, shoot. Do something, <laughs> you know. Like surely that would be better than what he's given at the minute. The, the player we think Ross Barkley can be would have been ideal to bring on in that second half. All right, whenever Villa were getting on top and Leicester were waning. But I don't know. Like, uh, would you even bother bringing him on? I, I, I can't. I can't overemphasize it enough. He, he's given us absolutely nothing in either direction. Yeah. Um. <laughs> you asking would you bring him on just made me think of the bench and seeing seeing the options again today just depressed me and once again I'm, I'm left to wonder like, where the fuck is Wesley <laughs> like, it's not it's not we're not going to talk about it today but like god almighty like how often do we need pictures of him in training and then just oh anyway we don't need to get into it the, <laughs> Ross Barkley actually 
is an interesting one. We're going into the Vyman meter here. Ross Barkley has been so bad and talked about at the top of the show so often that I actually don't think that we've brought him down in the Vyman meter before. He's been that bad. He's sort of gone. He hasn't even been on this radar. But like, Jesus, he has to go down <laughs> today at least. We we took Emmy Martinez off the Vyman meter because he went off the top. We could probably do the same with Ross Barkley in the opposite direction. <laughs> Take him off the fucking bottom because he can't go any lower. Uh, Emmy Martinez is going down, I think, just just because of the parry. Like he, he could he could bat that away as well. Like you know, out for a corner, out for a throw in. But he, he's just gifted Barnes a an open goal, basically. Uh, like like I said, I feel a bit sorry for him there. I mean. Those things happen. It was a drilled shot from Jamie Vardy from close enough in. Like, yeah, he should do better. Going down, and you know I love this man, but El Mohamedy. Elmo and Trory axes on the right wing. Like you couldn't get any more more of an opposite from what Brendan Rogers was doing on his right wing. I mean, <laughs> talk about an accident waiting to happen. Dean Smith might as well have gone on an all day bender. Followed by doing his hair with a hundred twenty volt hair dryer in the bath, it was it was begging to be taken advantage of. And I know Harvey Barnes got man in the match and a goal and an assist, but it wasn't actually as big a disaster as I thought it was going to be. Elmo looked like he was off the pace as opposed to yeah, as opposed to being a bad player. But boy, was he off the pace! He couldn't get in. His connections with the ball, his crossing was just all slightly off, and definitely his reaction times. That one he tripped Harvey Barnes. I mean, if you're playing a lot of football, you know you're not getting there first. Yeah. And even if you like, it's such a dangerous thing to try to do. You're the last man, and you're trying to nip in in front of one of the fastest wingers in the league. It was just a silly decision that was never going to work anyway. And he sold himself a few times as well. Like just committed, overcommitted. Yeah, the reaction time is probably the best. The best thing to point out, like he, he was definitely off in that case, and yeah, it's not really his fault. He hasn't played anything really. Going up, no, actually, I've got one more going down. Dean Smith, and not because of the game or or whatever else, because at ninety three minutes and thirty seconds gone, Villa have a free kick. Emmy Martinez is on the halfway line, looking over, screaming, "Will will I go up? Will I join in?" Dean Smith is having a bit of crack with the fourth official laughing away with him and Emmy Martinez is standing looking to get instruction from his manager and he can't communicate with him because Dean Smith is there talking away with a fourth official there's a time and a place to be a a lovely fella it wasn't with 90 seconds to go with your last chance of the game Conan Dean Smith knows better than anybody we've talked about it enough in this show whenever Villa have an attack and set piece it's fucking irrelevant <laughs> Why not just have a laugh if whoever's standing next to you? Nothing's about to happen. Andy Martin is in the box or not. Uh, going up, Matt Target. Like, talk about consistency now. Like he is, he's bringing it. Like he, I, I sort of, it was almost a trigger there a few weeks back when people were talking about him being one of the bright sparks of the season. It was like, well, hang on a second. He wasn't that good at the start of the season, but... But now he's having a good season. He's a good left back. He's doing the right thing. He's got a bit of a, the Jordan Henderson's about him on the ball in that he's deciding what to do 
three four seconds you know before he gets it and he, that's happening no matter what he's taking no chances like there's a couple of opportunities there you know when the ball comes in we're 30 yards out and he's just swung it back in like that's classic classic jordan henderson but he's swinging it in well into dangerous positions so it's it's grand and to be honest like the reason i criticize henderson with that is because we know and we've seen him do better things and, and he you know we've seen him make decisions and, and be a good player but he just stopped wanting to do that um my target I don't want to criticize Jordan Henderson too much here, but, but my target is the person who should be doing that because you don't want him getting caught in the ball and you don't want them you don't want them to stand there freaking out and having to make a decision. Just just keep doing that. Keep it simple. And defensively he's been brilliant. He's he's always in the right place. He, he keeps the line well. He, he knows now when they tuck in alongside Mings and when to just go and mince somebody. Looks fit. We said this before. Like yeah, like this man's going up yet again, and he's actually, I think he's the only player to have gone up today. Not to like get down on people too much, but just you know it was an all-out defeat, and he's one player that really stood out. Oh, what an incredible turnaround from that lad! He has been brilliant since December, and every time we or I said he was shite, I stand over it. What I can't stand over is my assertions that he is shit. I didn't think he was playing badly. I thought he was bad. I didn't think he was tough enough, strong enough, good enough. I didn't think he had the mental fortitude, but I was wrong. What a guy. What a left back. Of course, now when he plays bad, I'll be hammering him because I know he can do better. <laughs> so he got himself into a bit of baller there. But he's, it's like he's accepted what he is. You're right. Like he is just whipping the ball in with his left foot. That's the right thing to do with his left foot. He's not going to control the ball and beat a man. And he's accepted what he is in defense. He has to get tight to people and he has to be decisive either with his tackle or his decision to just ram into them and concede the free kick early because he's not fast enough. He's accepted the type of player he is and he's much better because of it. Yeah, no, fair play, Matt Target. We're we're big fans and yeah, we're not going to say we're wrong, (laughs) but but like definitely impressed and definitely delighted to see him doing so well. And, to be honest, I was thinking today when he was when he was just doing everything right yet again. I was like, and on the other side, I was I was freaking out about Elmo, and I thought, God Almighty, like me and Liam were here saying that we should play Elmo left back instead of Matt Target <laughs> at one stage, and there's Matt Target now, just like by far and away. Like obviously Smith saw that. No, no, we have to stick with Matt Target at left back. You go back over to his podcast. I was never on board with playing Elmo at left back. So like I say, like we both we we can both hold our hands up here and, and admit that that was too rash an idea. And and Smith probably got it right. And for that reason he shouldn't go down on the Lima meter this week. <laughs> Questions we can't answer, but probably will. Is Casper Schmeichel the biggest cunt in world football? Like Peter Schmeichel's son needs to have a fucking look at himself. <laughs> what is he doing kneeling on Trory and not letting him stand up? Yeah. Michael Oliver walks over to it and calls the Villa players away dismissively as if to say, leave that idiot to it. He's not worth it. <laughs> if Michael <laughs> Oliver thinks you're a plonker, then you should be ashamed of yourself. <laughs> yeah. He's just, he's just one of these people who unnecessarily sticks his head above the parapet to, to be an asshole quite often like i remember around the times where i remember playing denmark about 12 times in three years and schmeichel just never failed to take an opportunity to have a swipe at ireland like again 
for no reason, like just didn't have to be doing it. I remember he, he, he said one thing, this, this was the annoying thing as well, him and Christian Eriksen were walking around as if they were so far above the level of Ireland. What, what was the stat? They played six times, was it? And they, they drew five of them. And I think four times, like, you know, Denmark failed to score. Three or four, anyway. And they had this superiority complex because they beat them one time that Martin O'Neill made an absolute balls up by taking out the whole midfield. But they were one nil down, whatever. Um, <laughs> or 2-1 down. But uh, Cassius Michael had a quote as well where he was talking about playing Ireland. Like, it reminded him of playing in the old days of League 2. And you know when he goes on like that there, then just kneeling on a player who's, who's tripped and scored and done well and he's still behind. Just like... I almost like I don't feel this a lot with players, but I wouldn't mind seeing him have to be consigned to League Two again. You know, just what what are you doing? Like, yeah, you're right to categorize him as Peter Schmeichel's son. You know, like, have a bit of class about you. Yeah, and that and that plays on his mind a lot. That he's obviously got a chip in his shoulder. He's a he covers his insecurity about being the greatest goalkeeper of all time's son and masks it in arrogance and cockiness. Yeah, and it's pathetic. And he, like, he even brings up people needing to stop referencing his dad in interviews. You, you've just done it. Just answer, like, just keep going. Like It's grand. You've won the Premier League playing for a shit team. One of the greatest stories of all time. Yeah. Don't worry about it. People, people will think you're a good goalkeeper. It's grand. You don't have to go marching out after Ollie Watkins with your chest out as Ollie Watkins is just walking back into position. You're an absolute plonker, son. Even Michael Oliver thinks it. Uh, second question we can't answer. What is the point of Jamie Redknapp? Like, this this might have come up before. I don't know. But like every time I see him on, I think it's like if if Sky are looking for a safe option, which is, and he's polished and he's experienced, like surely they can just get somebody else who offers all that, but actually offers something more and and makes decent TV. It's it's like the Nakamba Douglas Louise thing. It's like, you know, he gives you everything that he that Nakamba gives you, but he can do more. Like Yes, like Redknapp's not going to get you sued and he's not going to get you in trouble and I'm sure he'll turn up all the time because like, you know, he's just waiting around for an invite. But like, you're in the TV business. Like you've had, what is it, 10, probably over 10 years of, of evidence now to suggest that this isn't going that well. Just get somebody else. Like for somebody who looks so good, he's just bland, boring wallpaper there on, on set. And it's, it's poor Alex Scott that gets all the grief then when she's in beside him. And no matter no matter what or who's in beside him or how much experience he has, he just doesn't change. He's just been exactly the same. He's learned nothing from the plethora of brilliant pundits that have been brought into Sky. And he's just continuing to offer the same trite nonsense. It say it says something probably about society as well. Like, you know, that like well, she's the one that gets all the grief. She's the only one who actually brought up, and Dave Jones included, who's brilliant, who brought up how bad Ross Barkley was. Like, that wasn't going to get mentioned today. Yeah. Everybody just seemed to have a little laugh about how upset he is. Like, how, how much... <laughs> we're going to do this every game. Ross Barkley's upset getting brought off. She seemed to be the only one that was questioning, you know, why would he be upset? Like, you know, if, you, if you're fed up getting brought off, then play better. Like, she must be listening to this podcast, but... Um, yeah, but add her to the list. I was glad that somebody mentioned it and... You know, Mika was having a laugh, and and Jamie Redknapp was just there. I don't know what he does. I, I don't know what his role is. It's just a, an extra voice there who's not going to start a fire. Yeah, like the rest of them were just looking to get onto the Man City Arsenal game. 
It's pathetic. <laughs> she wanted to talk about how dreadful Aston Villa's midfield and particularly Ross Barkley was, and she was right. And Jamie Redknapp was just there in a nice suit. <laughs> Do people really believe Thiago is the problem with Liverpool right now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I saw your, I saw, I saw your tweet. Um <laughs> Yeah, it's a, it's a strange one. Like the, Liverpool have so many problems that it's it's clearly not just down to to Thiago. I mean, I get sunburned every time I have an ice cream, but it's not the fucking ice cream that's doing it, is it? <laughs> that's brilliant. Like I was thinking, you know, the the equivalent today would be dropping somebody into the Villa team, you know, like Grealish, and then just being like, oh, geez, you know, Villa are playing worse when this person's in. It's like, well, yeah, they're playing worse, but like, there's there's all the reasons for that. Like, Liverpool literally have their six first choice centre backs gone, and that means that they have two of their first choice midfielders gone. Uh, you know, Firmino's getting worse and worse. Trent Alexander Arnold is not playing well, and to lay the, the form of Liverpool at a really good player's door, like, seemed to be some suggestion that like. You know, people always say that Thiago slows things down, you know, because he likes to pass this boy, oh, tiki taka and nonsense, that sort of mumbo jumbo. Like, the <laughs> suggestion that, that Thiago wouldn't play the ball to a free attacker is bonkers. Yeah. Like, you know, if Salah and Manny is free, Thiago would love nothing more than they played him through. Yeah. You know, and actually, the, the, one, the one bit of evidence that we have where he played alongside Fabinho and, and Henderson, and they had. I think it was Gomez alongside Van Dyke. It was against Everton in the first game and he was man of the match. You know, that's the only game where he got to play with that midfield. And apart from that, like Liverpool have just fallen to pieces. And it's not because you've introduced a really good midfielder into the, into the bracket. It's insane. Like, yeah, you see, you saw the tweet. I've walked a mile in Liverpool fans' shoes now. And I thought the, the Villa Twitter world was um, divisive and toxic. Jesus, the... People thinking I'm a Liverpool fan, and I, to be honest, I, I wanted everybody to know, hang on, hang on, I don't want any part of this. I was just expressing my thoughts, and, and the amount of people tweeting me about it and looking to argue about Thiago's merits in the Liverpool team is, is insane. Look, you say we've only got one piece of evidence from that one game where he was playing with Fabinho. He was playing for the best team in Europe, who play absolutely helter-skelter football last year, and he was integral to how they play. Yeah. Joshua Kimmich has now gone into that position. He was keeping Joshua Kimmich out of midfield because he's so fucking good. Thiago is a brilliant footballer. If he could play in the Bayern Munich team, he can play in the Liverpool team. You've mentioned a lot of Liverpool problems there. One of the main problems is as well, of course, they've just they've been going for three years now. This yeah. is this this is the third year of them being absolutely brilliant. I think Jamie Car- Jamie Carragher. I nearly said Jamie Redknapp there. It obviously wasn't him. Jamie <laughs> Carragher. <laughs> Jamie Carragher put up a. A stat that showed that you know it's eight of the same players from the loss in the Champions League final have been playing in the Liverpool team since, and they've been playing every fucking game. Yeah, and you know them all. Like you know, it's the two fullbacks, it's it's Henderson, it's the three forwards, it's the goalkeeper. You know, they're they're just asked to do this non-stop, and the way Klopp plays as well, it's going to tire you out. But also, I've mentioned before, no team keeps going for three years under the same manager. It yeah. doesn't happen. Alex Ferguson has done it twice and he's the only person who's successfully done it. And another thing to say is Thiago was an absolutely brilliant signing from Klopp because because Liverpool have been going like this for the last three years, 
everybody yeah. knows how they want to play. Liverpool needed another option. They yeah. couldn't just keep signing midfielders who can run ten thousand kilometers or ten thousand meters. Like yeah. that, that's what that's what their options are. It's Kaeda, it's Wijnaldum, it's Oxley Chamberlain, it's Henderson. They're all the same fucking player. They needed something else, and they particularly needed somebody who could break down teams who were going to decide we're obviously not going to try and outrun Liverpool. We're going to sit in. Yeah, that's exactly what they needed, and that's exactly what Thiago is. He's somebody that can break down teams that are sitting in. It's bizarre that Liverpool fans are going after him, and it's all just because Jamie Carragher said it that he wasn't good defensively. He isn't problem Liverpool's problem in defence. <laughs> it's the fact that they're playing two youngsters in there who the manager decided two centre midfielders would be better options. Yeah. Than. That's Liverpool's issue in defence. The idea that you would write Thiago off because he can't make Quebec and Nat Phillips look good at centre back is it's just weird. Like, yeah, I, to be honest, I'm a big Jamie Carragher fan, but when I saw him calling Thiago a defensive liability. I thought, Jesus, that's weird. Like, just a, a strange thing to be commenting on. Like, it's it's the ice cream thing, like you say. And 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 just to finish off on all this, it's like, what's what's the answer here? Like, so everyone's like suddenly blaming Thiago for all this, which is already mad. But like, are are you saying that if you put Keita or Milner in there instead of him, that suddenly everything is better again? You know, that, that's what you're saying, basically. Like, let's just take Thiago out and see what happens. You know, he's just put a worse midfielder in. It's not going to change everything for Liverpool. No, it's not. Yeah. Anyway, I just wanted to finish off on another team's misery because we've had enough of Villas. Uh, 15 games to go. Eighth place. The, the race for Europe is still on, but Christ almighty, let's get Jack Grealish back sooner rather than later. We'll see you for the Leeds match and let's hope that we're not going to just bend over like the last one and open ourselves up let's be a bit more smart about it this time round we're ready for it and uh, at least now we're ready that we're ready for the fact that Jack Grealish is not going to be there we'll see you then until then best of luck and thanks for listening Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. 
Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.